another episode of This Week in IPNO. We are, of course, as always, live from the table in my kitchen. We have a very special guest. We have Dr. Dina Fonseca, who is a professor of entomology here at Rutgers. Thank you for joining us. And well, coming on the show. Me. I'm curious um, to know how this is going to go. So let's do it. You know, we're uh, we're an easy bunch to get along with. We're just going to keep a, a, a little conversation flowing. Okay. So I guess just to start us off, can you, can you just tell us a little bit about your role at the university and what entomology is for for people that might not have heard of that word before? Okay. So um well, entomology is the study of organisms that have articulated body parts, um, things like um, insects. You know, in many ways, entomology is um, uh, large because there's so many insects. It's about insects, but we also work on um, ticks and um, and things like spiders, which are not insects. So they're arachnids. So, so mostly what I do. So entomology is a broad field. It, it includes um, the study of insects and arachnids and but my specific specialty is those that have um, a medical or a veterinary uh, importance so um that's why i gave the examples of mosquitoes and ticks and to some extent spiders um so i work with um, organisms that um can do damage to Mo animals. So we have, I have colleagues in, in the, our entomology department that are working on agricultural pests, something like spotted lanternfly. Um, and we, we all find things like cicadas really interesting. But in terms of the, the kind of research we do, we are mostly interested in, um, again, like I said, um, things that can really hurt us. Um, and we admire them as much as we want to, to some extent, trying to limit their damage. I, I'm specifically, so I'm a professor of entomology. I'm also the director of the Center for Vector Biology, which is an extension uh, program uh, that works primarily with um, the mosquito control programs across um, New Jersey. There's 21 counties, 21 mosquito control programs. Those are our primary stakeholders, but we also work directly with the public um, and also increasingly with the increasing number of professional uh, pest managers that are or pest companies that are starting to work on mosquitoes and ticks. So sort of that's that's it in a nutshell. So we've heard about the citizen project called New Jersey Tick Map that you've been working on. Can you tell us a little more about that project? So I mean you, you guys are like this is like hot off the press because um, we just very recently obtained funding from the um, New Jersey Assembly, it was actually in the budget, in the governor's budget, um, a, a, a line item to develop tick research and control. Um, ticks are, are uh, a really significant problem in, across the Northeast New Jersey at the epicenter of cases of Lyme disease. I mean, there are about 40,000 cases of Lyme disease every year in, United, in the United States. And, 95% um, of them are in the Northeastern United States and also in the Midwest, something like uh, Michigan and, and um, uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. So um, we, we have, I'm sure many of you have either had Lyme disease or know somebody that had Lyme disease. So ticks are becoming very important, but there's actually very little, there has been very little research on uh, on ticks by their biology and in particular how to survey and control them. 
this is a, um, you, you'd be surprised to know this, but um, there we go. So um, again, we have about a year to demonstrate um, what we can do across the entire state of New Jersey. This is created by the assembly um, to try to both provide information on um, the populations of ticks across the state. Um, and also to some extent, have people understand a little bit more what ticks are and how they can protect themselves from, from ticks. I mean, there's a much better understanding of mosquitoes than, than ticks. Ticks are sort of this sort of mysterious. Uh, often people don't even know what they look like. Um, and, and then when I say people, I'm actually including also medical doctors. Um, there are cases, not in the United States, but there have been cases of people um, thinking that a tick embedded is actually some sort of, you know, wart or a cancer and have actually done surgical interventions when they simply could have just pop it out. Um, so, um, it, so we decided, it's again, brand new project, we're just starting and, and this is gonna heat up and you guys have it first, the New Jersey Tick Map. We're gonna be a large citizen science project. We're gonna invite people to send us um, any ticks they, they find on themselves or the environment around their houses and submit it to us We'll immediately provide them information on the identification, and then we'll use those ticks to a broad scale analysis of tick-borne pathogens like uh, Lyme disease um, and others. There's multiple uh, pathogens can be transmitted by ticks, including a deadly one, Powassan virus, uh, that just recently um, actually killed a New Jersey uh, resident. So uh, this is a significant problem. And, um, that's, that's basically the, the extent now we're hiring people, trying to develop a web page and, and trying to um, send a message out. And here we are, message so, started. So I have this um, kind of simple A or B, you could tell me if this is correct. Deer ticks are the bad ones, dog ticks are the less bad ones. Is that correct? Um, or? Well, okay. So first of all, uh, deer ticks is, is not the, the accepted um, common name for, for these ticks. Okay, yeah. It's kind of a minor problem, but uh, and, which is they're called black legged ticks, Exodus capillaris. Um, black legged ticks are, in fact, um, the primary bad ones. They do transmit Lyme disease, and only they can transmit the Lyme bacterium, the bacteria. They also transmit um, anaplasma and other bacteria. They're the ones who transmit poison. Um, and they transmit a protozoan, a little similar to malaria called Babesia. Um, and so yes, black-legged ticks, which are primarily forest ticks, are, are the primary guys. The dog tick are much larger and they are um, not considered at this point, they have been associated with a really nasty um, bacteria called the uh, Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. Um, or Rocky Mountain spot of bacteria. Um, and, and so it depends really who you're referring to. Um, Rocky Mountain spot of fever bacteria can kill you. Um, but we've actually done a recent publication, actually one of my students and shown that in New Jersey, the, the um, dog ticks are not infected with this bacterium. And it's, it's, it's a confusing and sort of, it has come from, from, again, a limited amount of research on these ticks to have this idea that uh, dog ticks can transmit um, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. We have found no evidence of that, um, and we've done extensive surveys uh, across New Jersey. Um, so yeah, big one, probably less likely to uh, be a problem. Tiny little guys, the little uh, black-legged ticks, aka deer ticks, look like a little, they look like a triangle, little tiny little black triangle, 
and it's actually the the nymphs that um, are at their highest numbers in in April, May, June, which is why May is a Lyme awareness uh, month. Um, those are the ones who are more likely to actually be the problem because they're, they're small. And and one thing I got I got to explain is that so ticks have uh, four stages. They have eggs, the larvae, which only have three pairs of legs, the nymphs, which have four pairs of legs, slightly bigger, and then the adults, which also have four pair, pairs of legs. And again, each stage is a little bigger. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the larvae are primarily, when they're born, they're not infected with anything. This is true in, in large measure of most vectors. When they're born, they're not infected, and they take a blood meal um, and in and, and the ticks, they, every, they only feed on blood, they don't feed on anything else. So they need to take a blood meal from the larva to become the nymph and then the nymph to become the adult. And every time they, they take a blood meal, they increase the likelihood of being infected with a, with a pathogen because they're picking up the pathogen, the, the virus, the bacteria um, from, from their hosts. Um, so you'd think that the most dangerous stage would be the adult because it's taken two blood meals. So it's more likely to be infected. But adults are mostly active in the fall um, during the, the deer rut. So, and by the way, these ticks are active all year round. around. In, in January, in a beautiful sunny day, you can get a, a bite from a, a black-legged tick. Um, so you'd think those guys would be most dangerous, but actually they occur at a time when people have long sleeves and boots and are in the, in the field kind of like protected from the cold, while the nymphs, which are smaller, are showing up in the spring when you're like, yay, shorts, I'm going outside. And, and that's when you end up, and they're much, much smaller. So they're much harder to detect. Um, and sorry, I have to do this sort of uh, PSA in here. The best way to control to not be uh, affected by tick-borne diseases from the black-legged tick is to do tick checks. And so you, if you're going to be outside, go indoors, have a shower, and then check yourself out. Have somebody check out parts you can't see. And, and really, it's a nice bonding experience, and you really decrease the likelihood of getting um, Lyme disease or other tick-borne diseases. So again, they're really, really small. And this is something we're trying to do for the the New Jersey tick map is provide information and like embedded little, um, little blocks with, with different stages of ticks so that people can really understand what, what it is that they're um, looking for. And, and that is a huge step in terms of prevention. Um, ticks take several hours to start feeding on you. So they're not like a mosquito. Mosquito is like time and they're done, right? With ticks, they go on you, they look for a place to feed. It usually takes them like a day to finally make decisions and then takes them another few hours up to a day to start transmitting the, the, the pathogens that they're uh, infected with. So it, the, there is a window of opportunity and that, that's why um, tick checks are a really good way to decrease that. So there, lots of information. Yeah, no, that's great. Is it is it primarily deers that they're picking this stuff up from, or is there? No, no, they're they're feeding. On, this is why the the deer tick is a misnomer. Uh, deer are very important uh, hosts of the adults, um, and in fact, deer actually clear the pathogen from the adults. The immune system of of a deer when the tick is feeding on a, on a deer, which is already the adult, basically all that's going to happen now yeah. is going to lay eggs. It's not going to bite anybody else. Yeah. It's, they're actually picking up the pathogens from white-footed mice. The little mice is what the larvae and the nymphs are mostly feeding on. And so those are the ones that are the reservoirs of most of these pathogens. 
Um, so it's, it's really controlling the mice and controlling the infection on the mice is a better way to control the disease. Um, decreasing the population of deer is a better way to control the ticks. So if you if you're trying if you're trying to prevent ticks from uh, laying, you know they they lay three thousand eggs each female. Mm. So if you prevent them from feeding on on deer, then you're preventing the next generation from um, from being, you know, you're preventing a large number of, of uh, ticks from joining the next generation. So it's just a two different um, control measures: controlling the the pathogen versus controlling the, the tick populations themselves. Oh, great. Thank you for that. Switching right. topics a little bit. Um, we were wondering what your plans were for utilizing the Rutgers Garden in some of your research. Yeah, so we've actually already using the Rutgers Garden. So, so we're doing um, surveys of mammals on, on Rutgers campus on both Douglas and Cook. We started in the spring um, and again, just completely linked to the question uh, before. Um, you've, by collecting the, the mammals, you can look at, so you basically set up these traps. We've been setting up the traps at University Inn, at the Rutgers Gardens, and also in the uh, goat farm off the College Farm Road, um, the poultry farm area. So we set up these traps and we're collecting both small mammals, so mice, um, voles, chipmunks, but also medium-sized mammals like raccoons and um, skunks. Skunks, okay, we got skunked a couple of times it's it's a dangerous profession okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so and uh, so skunks and and groundhogs um we had a uh, if you may remember there were some uh, a black bear at some point in the in the Rutgers Gardens so one of uh, my graduate students got a, a text saying hey there's a bear behind you <laughs> and everybody's okay uh, except one of the traps got kind of mangled by the bear like literally just and probably had a mice inside. So it was like a Twinkie for the, for the, <laughs> the bear. So we've been doing these, these trappings um, already using the grounds and um, the Rutgers campus is quite well endowed in the medium and small and medium sized mammals and lots of deer, there are lots of deer around. Um, so then we started thinking about like by experiencing the, the gardens in particular and university and we thought we could engage the public um, in ways to try to assess how different interventions for controlling ticks may be working. So we're, we're thinking of creating a, um, a small kit, something like a Ziploc bag with a map. University N already has an app and we're trying to um, work with them to, to do this where we would have treated areas like in the, in the gardens, just beautiful areas and it would treat the paths. When people are walking through the gardens, they're actually picking up ticks from the sides of, of these paths, either from sort of short vegetation or a bit taller vegetation. And so we would have, and then we provide them with double-sided tape, tape. They would put uh, on their, on the base of their hands. Um, and then we would engage these um, citizen volunteers, you know, uh, researchers to, to help us by keeping track of where they've been, where they've walked by having, putting on the map. And at the end, just give us back, just take the tape, uh, fold it, put it in a Ziploc bag and leave that at the entry of the grounds. Um, and then we would be able to use that information to see if the interventions we did in some of the areas limited the number of ticks that people picked up. So trying to do a, these are complicated experiments because they only work at large scale, they're so-called area-wide. You have large areas that you have to 
to treat, and then you have to figure out ways of sampling and examining them. And, and ticks are sampled by simply dragging a, a piece of cloth over the vegetation. It's very time intensive. And, um, and to be honest, I mean, getting the information from the people, like what did people pick up is actually ultimately what we want to know. We want to know for protecting the visitors. And so it's actually the best measure of, the, of, of effectiveness. So that's what we're planning on, on doing. You can see lots of ideas and uh, um, can use every, any help we, we, you can, you can provide. So um, that's, that's the idea, to use visitors as um, experimental subjects and also as uh, technicians collecting data for us. I have one more question that's kind of a little, uh, little off script, but um, I feel like every summer I'll be like sitting outside with, with you know, two or three people. And at the end of the night, I feel like I, I get like eaten alive by mosquitoes and ev like everyone and everyone else is fine. So if, is there something about like specific people that make them more prone to getting bit by mosquitoes or is it just in my head and I'm just like taking this situation and applying it to, you know, others? Okay, so I get that question every <laughs> single time. Every single time. And, and the answer is twofold. And I don't have an actual um, complete answer because it's actually extreme. So let me start with the bad news. It's extremely hard to get funding for, to address that kind of question. It's not a simple question. It requires uh, you know, ways of sampling people, which is complicated. It involves potentially exposing people to mosquitoes, which is complicated. Um, and, and it doesn't necessarily make much of a difference. Like just because you're getting bit, um, as long as you're not getting sick, um, the NIH, National Institutes of Health, be like, eh, we, we, gotta, we gotta fund something else. Um, there's a couple of papers um, that came out a few years back um, that actually concluded that your, your blood type made a difference. Um, mm. that, so if you were a blood type A, you're less likely to be bit. And if you're blood type O, you're more likely to be bit. And the other blood types were somewhere in the middle. Um, these were two, two studies actually related. They, did, they actually did a really good job of trying to um, go around some of the, uh, of the problems of you know, variability among people. Um, but it's pretty limited sample size because as I said, it's really hard to do work on people especially because you have to expose them to the risk of being bit by mosquitoes. And um, again, it's, it's a complicated thing to do. There's also a study, actually, there's someone at, uh, at Princeton University that has been, uh, Lindy, Mc, Lindy McBride, that has been looking at, um, she started out by trying to understand more like the, the evolution of the mosquito. And um, she was basically, the, her hand was basically what she used as the human. And, and she wasn't getting bit, it was just looking at in these olfactometers, looking at which way the mosquitoes were going, to a person or to a hamster. She was looking at the evolution of, of, of mosquitoes biting people. And, um, and then she got her own lab, got her own postdoc, and, and had the postdoc do these kinds of studies too, and things were not working right. And they, she realized that uh, um, there was this one chemical, sulcatone, that varies quite a bit. It's basically our skin, our microbiome is basically producing the, the smells that mosquitoes are using for making decisions about biting or not biting. They, they're attracted from CO2 
the amount of so the, the amount of CO2 I'm producing. If I've been running, if I'm a particularly large person, I'm going to be producing more. So they they come towards you. But then in terms of making decisions about who, so like if you're in a group of people, like you said, you're all producing CO2, and then making a decision about which one of you the mosquito is going to bite is going to be determined most likely by your microbiome and and by characteristics of your skin. And maybe for your blood group, it's a little, that, that was a couple of papers, that's all I can offer, but that's, that's basically it. Now, that's the other side of it is that some people have higher, stronger reactions than others. So your immune system could also be part of the reason you may notice more. You may get a welt, you may get itchy, while somebody else that actually may be getting the same exact number of bites that you are, just not noticing it. So as I said, yeah. it's it's really a complicated. It sounds so simple. Why am I the one who always gets bit by mosquitoes? Yeah. Well, you know, X never gets bit by mosquitoes. Um, but but the fact is that it it is a complicated answer um, that is going to come up eventually from that one question. And not a lot of not a lot of funding agencies are especially convinced that we need to spend a lot of money on that as opposed to trying to come up with strategies for prevention or um all right well well thank you for uh for coming on the show and thank you for uh for teaching us a little bit um about what you do and uh we will as always give you the last word if there's anything else you'd like to say about uh about the new tick program or about anything you want well, um, well, I teach medical and veterinary entomology. So uh, any any in the audience that want to take a class that is uh, um, that makes you think um, that you know we talk about black death and uh, you know yellow fever epidemics and uh, all that fun stuff. Um, again, the the only other thing I could say is that the the tick, the New Jersey tick map is just starting. We're, we're creating this, so don't be surprised you don't hear about it for, for a bit. Probably you'll, you'll really show up in, in, your, um, in, your, in your podcasts or maybe in your feed um, more in the spring, but we we're gonna try and, and if you're interested in, in uh, collaborating, just contact me um, and we'll, we'll, we'll put you to work. There's lots, lots to be done. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.